South Seattle is an area that has had so much darkness cast on it <laughs> um, via the media at times that it needed an emerald to shine light. Coming up next on Conversations, Marcus Green, founder and executive director of the South Seattle Emerald. I would describe it as a media organization that speaks the, the truth about the south end of Seattle and, and also talks about the life there as, a, uh, as opposed to so much of the, the death. He's created a community-based web publication to give a voice and tell the stories of the people of South Seattle. This is, I call it the New Harlem. We find out why he left behind a successful financial career to return home to take up this new challenge. There was no future in it for me in terms of it being fulfilling and so I decided to, decided to leave and I haven't looked back since and um, you know, I, I, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, I'll say. Marcus Green of the South Seattle Emerald, next. Marcus Green, welcome. Good to have you here. Ah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's talk about the South Seattle Emerald. First of all, what is it? How would you describe it? I would describe it as a media organization that uh, speaks the, the truth about the south end of Seattle and, and also talks about the life there as, a, uh, as opposed to so much of the, the death, uh, I say, that, that's talked about um, in the area from some other organizations. You said that uh, you want it to be not just something that is uh, part of the crime section of the Seattle Times. Right. Maybe no knock against the Seattle Times. No, but no. You really, you want there to be more, you want people to know more about the people of South Seattle. Exactly. And I think, um, and, and yeah, definitely no knock on the Seattle Times. I think, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they're uh, definitely a paper of record in this area. However, I think that, you know, they suffer uh, from the same things that other uh, organizations in this media landscape, current media landscape, suffer from, and that's unfortunately a lack of resources. And, um, uh, you know, South Seattle uh, has uh, unfortunately sort of had a media blackout on them for, for quite some time. Let's talk about you because this has been a bit of a journey for you in creating this community website. Um, but, you know, you're a Seattle guy. Right. You're a South Seattle guy. Right. So tell me about that. Um, well, it's, it, uh, uh, well, I always say that I'm South Seattle, uh, you know, proud. Uh, <laughs> um, in, in terms of, of creating this, it was, uh, uh, I remember receiving a lot of um, blowback. There were plenty of naysayers who said that uh, there's no way that, uh, South Seattle had um, residents who would uh, who this would be uh, appealing to um, that they themselves uh, had sort of um, become so uh, so used so used to uh, having very limited media coverage to having uh, a narrative um, of that there was nothing but crime, violence, and basketball in the area, and you know, and nothing against basketball, but I mean, there is more. Yeah. Um, and so, growing up there, my whole life, as I as I had done, I knew that there was uh, I knew that there was a need, and I knew that there was a need that that could be fulfilled, and that nobody else was doing it. Uh, there was a there were a few other, um, uh, I guess you know, blogs um, that predated the South Seattle Emerald 
but their focus was kind of on the low-hanging fruit, if you will, of, of, uh, of um, you know, crime. And uh, again, you know, as, as salacious as it could possibly be, they would, that's, that's <laughs> what would be reported. Um, as opposed to, um, again, I mean, the, the myriad artists and, and, and authors and, and intellectuals that are housed in the area. Um, you know, this is, this is, I call it the new Harlem, and I, I know some people give me a blowback for that, but I, but I, I think in the, in the sense that it is this uh, just really what, uh, an epitome of what America, right, is, is supposed to be, or what we're told, this uh, grand, um, yeah, this grand experiment of, 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 you know, just such this, you know, diversity, uh, this, it used to be called a melting pot, but I guess it's a tossed salad now. Um, and it is definitely, um, that is definitely what, what South Seattle epitomizes with its a variety of ethnicities, races, cultures. Um, I think unofficially there's over 74, uh, um, languages, if you include, you know, various dialects that are spoken on any given uh, day in South Seattle. So it's just an amazing place. Stepping back a bit, like I said, uh, you're a South Seattle guy. You grew up in that area, uh, from the Rainier Beach area, as right. I understood it. Um, Rainier Beach slash Skyway. I just, yeah. I just want to throw it out to Skyway. All right. Uh, as well. we'll give it up to Skyway. <laughs> um, but you smart kid. Uh, you went to prep school. I did. I did. Yes. Where at? Um, Kennedy. It was called Kennedy Prep. Uh, when I went, it is now Kennedy Catholic. But uh, yeah. but yeah, same same exact place. I love you. You go on, go on to college. You go to college in California. Yes. And um, in, in kind of a conservative part of California, Reagan country, right? I, I wouldn't say kind. It was definitely <laughs> conservative. <laughs> <laughs> what was school? Um, it was California Lutheran University. It's uh, Pacific Lutheran's uh, sister school, Pacific Lutheran in Tacoma. Right. Yeah. So you go to college. Uh, you're in that part of the world. You you graduate and then you move into uh, the financial world. Actually, mm -hmm. you're working for what an investment firm? Uh, hedge fund. Yeah. It was very uh, Wolf of Wall Street esque. If anybody's ever yeah. seen that movie, or, or The Big Short, I guess now. Yeah. You're making some money. Mm -hmm. You know, having a decent life. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was uh, uh, living the dream for. <laughs> I mean, as as much as um, as much as you could, I suppose. As much as uh, as much as at that point, I aligned the dream with with making a decent amount of money and you know dating. Uh, uh, how can I put this so I don't sound misogynist? <laughs> um, you know, d dating uh, attractive folks, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Living the life, you know, living the life. But something changes, and you decide that that isn't where you want to be any longer, mm -hmm. and that you need to come back home. What happened to make that change? I mean, I think it was, uh, I don't necessarily think it was one thing that you can necessarily pinpoint to. I think it was a gradual um, disenchantment uh, with the life I was living at the time, um, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the investment world, at least the the, the realm that I occupied, um, everything was a commodity. And when I say everything, I mean your relationships with people, your time, um, 
you know, uh, there was nothing that was done um, that didn't have some sort of uh, relation to how can I make money out of this situation. Uh, I remember I was told early on um, in the industry that if you have determined within five minutes of talking to somebody that you can't make money from, then you need to cut that person off. Um, That's cold. That is, <laughs> it's, it's a cold-blooded business, and um, is it you know in terms of dog eat dog, that was um, that was exactly what it was, and it's and yeah, I mean the money was was great, especially being a you know being a kid who came from a poor area, uh, being a kid who um, you know came from a high school where um, a lot of his you know a lot of his classmates were rich. Um, you sort of and and even in Thousand Oaks, California, it was it was an extremely affluent area. Uh, where Cal Lutheran was, um, you know, you have, uh, you sort of begin to have this um, desire um, to want to to be rich, right? I mean, that's that's quote unquote the American dream, and then you then you realize that they call it a dream because it's uh, you know it make for a bad reality, I think, and that's that's what it began to to make for me a, a bad reality. And um, after a while, I think uh, you know time. Uh, spent in that world, you kind of, uh, you have sort of a, um, you encounter a few different moments where you're like, is this it? Is this all that there is? Is this, <laughs> is this really what, uh, you know, I should be doing? And I just felt that there, um, there was no future in it for me in terms of it being fulfilling. And so I decided to, decided to leave and I haven't looked back since. And, um, you know, I, I, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, I'll say. You come home after making this decision. What'd your family think? <laughs> um, they still think I'm a bit crazy, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I've always had supportive uh, parents, um, always had supportive friends who, um, as they say, even when, even when we don't understand you, Marcus will accept you. And... Uh, um, and so that's always, uh, that's, that's always gotten me through whenever, uh, whenever I've had these, uh, not, not too often have I had, you know, big life altering decisions that I've made, but when I do, it, it, it's, they've definitely gotten me through. So. Did you literally come back and move in? Yes, I was that, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, you go from, you literally go from the penthouse, it, to, it wasn't quite the outhouse, but it was, you know, it was your, your mother's basement, you know what I mean, <laughs> which is just as bad, right? Uh, um, so, uh, suffice to say, dates sort of start drying up when you, uh, when you're back with mom and dad. Um, but, I mean, it gave you time, it gave me time, I should say, to, um, you know, really reflect on what I really wanted to do, and I think, uh, you know, I think sometimes in, in life where we're, uh, you know, directed to as, as soon almost as we get out of college or even before to decide on a career and decide on, um, you know, where your life needs to needs to go. I think it's it's a good good thing that we can have break, breaks um, on, on occasion. You like to write. I do. Yes. <laughs> and that was obviously going to be at the heart of what you were going to be doing. Uh, but you're also creating a, a community website, um, and obviously the technology and the way things have changed now give us opportunities to create websites. So anybody can do that. I have my own website, so I know what that's like. But um, just the idea then of saying, 
okay, coming back home, mom and dad, uh, yeah, I live in the basement, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna create this community website. Uh, how did that go over? <laughs> um, my, my mom and dad, they're like polar opposites, even in, um, uh, you know, in terms of personality. So my mom, uh, you know, you tell her something, she is gonna, even if she, you know, she's not gonna, uh, you know, give you any indication that she might think it's Looney Tunes. Um, she is gonna be there 100% to support you. And she said, yeah, you know, I think that would be great. You know, I think you would need it. You know, never was there, well, how are you gonna make money from this? How are you gonna support yourself? When are you gonna get, you know, enough money so you can move the heck up out of this basement? Um, you know, when was my dad was kind of, he, uh, he was, um, uh, uh, he had his uh, concerns, uh, <laughs> um, of, you know, especially with uh, the news industry, and, you know, and media just in general, um, not, you know, long past his golden age, I'll say. Uh, um, yeah, we're all trying to figure that out. Yeah. You know, even here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but... You know, he did, you know, after, you know, telling me, hey, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you might want to try something else. But if you, if you're going to do this, then, you know, do it 100% and do it with all your heart. And uh, we can't, obviously, you know, we can't offer you um, any seed money or anything like that. We can offer you a roof over your head, um, you know, to allow you to, to, to get this off the ground. And so, um so all in all, though, I, I'll say they were supportive. Where, where'd the title come from, the name? Uh, the South Seattle Emerald. Well, um, you know, obviously, I mean, I guess uh, it's it's unoriginal in the sense that, <laughs> that uh, Seattle's called the Emerald City. But I also um, liked the fact of uh, sort of it, South Seattle being the gym, I, I'll say, of, of Seattle, the, the area, and the fact that, um, you know, the Emerald uh being a gym that that sort of you know shines in its luminescence uh you know shines light on an area and i always say that south seattle is an area that has had so much darkness cast on it <laughs> um via the media at times that it needed um it needed an, an emerald to shine light uh on the things that that happened there and so um it just it just sort of seemed to, to click at least for me and um so I went forward with it. Of the stories that you've done, is there a particular story, and obviously you've mm -hmm. only been doing this a short amount of time, that you really are most proud of at this point, that you feel like, you know, this said something, this uh, is important? I mean, you know, I guess the, uh, you know, I'd still come from like an entrepreneurial, you know, uh, business background, so I guess I'm supposed to say that the, the next story we do will be that one. <laughs> um, but I, um, but I'll say, I think one that stands out in terms of sort of putting us uh, on the map and, and drawing attention to us was uh, a series of stories we, uh, we did when we first started out about um, uh, the uh, juvenile detention center that uh, King County will be building on, um, uh, on 12th and Alder in the uh, Squire Park. You know, Capitol Hill area of Seattle. A lot of controversy. Uh, very much so. <laughs> um, and I just remember, you know, sitting with, uh, I remember reporting the story, this is when it, it, it wasn't getting quite, uh, quite as much uh, traction as it has now. And I'm sitting with a gentleman 
Dustin Washington, um, and he's uh, and I'm interviewing him about the, the the story. He's sort of one of the people who's uh, leading up the the uh, um, uh, the faction against the jail, and he's. Uh, <laughs> and he asked me, he says, you know, how, uh, you know, at this point, he's just trying to talk to anybody because there's no media organizations that are that are taking this up. And he's like, uh, how many um, how many people read your paper? And I was like, at that time, I was like, well, uh, if you count me, myself and my mother, that would make three. And uh, he's like, well, we need everybody you can get. So maybe your mother is influential, I guess. Um, but no, I, I mean, to, uh, you know, and for it to to sort of blossom into what it what is now become where uh, it is uh, a story that that is um, you know even in passing people know about it now um, with other organizations picking it up it's uh, I, I think that's definitely a story I would point to as sort of a watershed moment for us that we kind of went just from being this um, interesting curiosity um, and we are still an interesting curiosity for some people, but it was, but we're no longer just an interesting curiosity to something people started to pay attention to. I'm talking with Marcus Green, founder and executive editor of the South Seattle Emerald Community News website that can be found at SouthSeattleEmerald.com. Well, tell me, you know, as this has grown, you've you've also developed, I think, some contributors as well. Certainly. And but but what are the what are the stories that you're looking for? What is it that you're getting? Uh, you're telling me about South Seattle that, you know, I probably wouldn't know. Um, uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think uh, a lot of it is just <laughs> letting people know that there is more than just rampant crime in 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 South Seattle. I. Uh, um, I can't tell you how many times I talk to friends of mine who, uh, you know, who live in the area and they say, you know, and they work at like a Microsoft or an Amazon and they're talking to their coworkers and they say, yeah, you should come down to, uh, you know, Rainier Beach or, or come down to Hillman City or, or Brighton, you know, where I live. And they're like, oh, we're not going, <laughs> we're not, you know, how do you, how do you live there? It's like, you know, this isn't modern day, you know, uh, South Sudan at this point. This is, a, you know, this is an area that has its vibrancy you know and it's uh and you know when i make the uh uh um when i when i talk about it being analogous to um harlem or at least you know how Har harlem was during the renaissance period um i say that in the sense that it when you when harlem you know it, it comes up now um in terms of its its glory day i mean it was extremely violent place during you know during its heyday as well um but when you bring up Harlem now, I mean, you, you, you know, images of, of Langston Hughes and the Renaissance and the Cotton Club and this this area that is so alive is what comes up. And hey, Bill Clinton's there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, his office is there. Right? Um, but and I, and I think it's it's because of of you know the, the the narrative and the stories that are that are told of it. And it, had there not been anybody there to tell these stories, uh, I think you know there would have been. Um, you know, I, I don't. You know, I don't think that, that that we would remember it as much as we do now. And I think you know the same kind of applies to South Seattle, in the sense that it is this area that um, that is to me that this this just American mosaic, and you have it here in the city. And the thing that is doesn't talked about so often is that we, because we live in this liberal bastion that is Seattle, um, and I love living here. Don't get me wrong, but. The thing that is never spoken about is that this is an extremely segregated city in terms of its concentration of people of color, and 
Um, you know, a friend of mine, she... And becoming more so. Yes, yes, very much so. And, you know, that's rarely ever discussed. And I think if you, um, you know, if you have an, an area where the, a, a subsection of our, of, of our residents do not think that they are, their voices are being heard or elevated or amplified, um, who, you know, many who do not trust uh, what they would call establishment media, um, I think that is a problem. I think because I think it's, uh, you know, the media's job is to, and in some instances, is certainly to provide a service to the people by allowing their voices to be heard, allowing their voices to speak truth to power, if you will. Um, is that the key of what you're doing? Well, well somewhat. I mean, I, I always say that, uh, you know, the, the meme, uh, if you will, of, of the media is, you know, speaking truth to power, but I, I think it's more so speaking truth to the powerless, you know, reminding reminding them, or at least people who think that they're powerless, reminding them that they are not. Um, you know, I very much believe in a Jeffersonian democracy, uh, you know, outside of the slavery aspect, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in terms of that, uh, without an informed, you know, populist, then you will not have a democracy. You'll have uh, something else. And um, I, don't, I don't like that something, idea of that something else. I like that idea of a, very much a participatory democracy. You know, you have um, spoken and given a number of speeches about race. Mm -hmm. um, right before we started here, I was listening to a speech that you gave at, at your church. Ah, so you're the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was also listening to a speech you gave on MLK Day at Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. um, and the issue of race uh, is right there with kind of... Uh, it's a challenge for us. Right. I'm curious, in your in your view, you know, Seattle has this reputation of being this progressive city, mm -hmm. and uh, but are we so progressive when it comes to race? I guess I, I would answer that, like anywhere else, we have uh, our work uh, work is cut out for us. We uh, certainly have a tremendous amount um, to still do. Uh, I think when you have a city that is, um, in terms of majority, uh, in terms of like a metropolitan city, is, I believe is the fifth whitest in um, the United States, um, while still having two of the um, two of the top fifteen most diverse zip codes. Um, I think that if you, uh, you know, I mean, I think if you look at you know, what's going on with our police department, we still have the consent decree. Um, we still have the Department of of, uh, of, of Justice who are talking about our, uh, you know, our the Seattle public schools and their um, disproportionate uh, um, expulsions and uh, suspensions with uh, students of color. Um, and honestly, I think we still have a uh, black community uh, here that, you know, doesn't feel at times that it's uh, appreciated along with our um, Latino community and Native American community. Um, and, and so, no, I guess it, it, that was a long roundabout way to say no. I don't, I don't think we are as progressive as we claim to be. I mean, I think we love to um, brandish that, certainly, but I think we have quite a ways to continue to go. How do we start to get there? I think, um, you know, num number one, I mean, I think we need to start um, actually uh, actually 
making inroads to these communities. And I think a part of that is is engaging in real dialogues and, and real concerns with our communities. Um, you know, not to belabor the uh, youth jail, obviously, but um, our detention center uh, uh, that's being built by King County. But, you know, one of the, the main um, criticisms that, that remains is that, you know, this was uh, something that was proposed and, and then, you know, designed and then built without any input from, you know, communities of color who disproportionately their children are um, incarcerated in these, um, you know, in, in this detention center. Um, they, you know, certainly would have liked to have had input in terms of the services, in terms of, you know, that would be offered to these children in, in terms of, um, you know, where it would, would be built. Um, and they felt that they, that the, you know, county went to all these other areas within the county um, that were actually, uh, were residents who were mainly lily white, for lack of a better term, were there and, and spoke to them, but then, you know, spoke at uh, these communities of color um, uh, and never chose to actually engage in a, a legitimate conversation with them where they felt that their needs were addressed, and I think um, as long as that continues, I don't, I don't think you'll, ha I don't think we'll have a, I don't, I don't think that there, a trust will, uh, will be there in terms of uh, communities of color in this city and the powers that be. Is that part of the problem of this institutionalized way of things, and institutionalized racism? The fact that you know, okay, uh, this is how we do it. It's going to be this way, um, and you know that's how the chips fall. I, I believe so. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I th I think institutions and systems have a bias towards uh, <laughs> you know uh, towards um, uh, you know towards certain outcomes. Uh, and a friend of mine always says that these these systems aren't broken. They're working as exactly as they're intended to work, which is why they continue to have these stubborn outcomes. And so to think in many times that you'll be able to get within the system and and change it is, uh, shall we say, uh, comically optimistic at times. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I do think that there can be change around, you know, the margins um, when you are in systems, but I do think that you know, we for all our uh, technological advancement, um, especially in this city, with where you know you have so many, you know, you have the Amazons and the Microsofts uh, of the world. It seems that our social um, advancement continues to be stunted for for whatever reason. And I think that um, a deliberate focus on what is not working um, will allow us to. Uh, to hopefully craft a system that does work. What do you think of Black Lives Matter and the movement? Um, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I mean, it's, it, as anything that's uh, created by human beings, it's imperfect, certainly, but in, in terms of um, the conversation that it's, it's trying to have and, and the impact that it's had, I'm certainly supportive. Um, I think that, uh, you know, some people, uh, you jump on <laughs> um, the comment pages of, of uh, various uh, news stories and so forth, and you always see, and, and at least for me, I, I, I always see um, 
you know, why are these black people still uh, shouting loudly and why are they saying all this and that? And it's like, well, if you, um, you know, if we, if we didn't interrupt, if we didn't, um, you know, if we didn't shout out, uh, you know, this injustice, then would you pay attention to it? Um, you know, in America, the old saying is the squeaky wheel is the one that gets greased. And um, <laughs> we've been squeaking for quite some time asking, you know, <laughs> um, you know, put some WD-40 on there or something, man, you know, <laughs> let's get it together. Right. You know, you're not alone. I mean, <laughs> let's face it, uh, whether was it not that long ago when you had a big WTO riot in this town, and that had a lot to do with, with issues that we're even talking about today, you know, from in inequality to globalization to those types of things. Um, and, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, I, I think, it, to me, is it's like another extension of the civil rights movement and the voices that said, I got to do something. Now, you may not all, not everybody agrees with how that works out and things like that, as you mentioned, but uh, it, it falls into that, uh, that same kind of category. Uh, what do you want now for South Seattle Emerald? Where, where do you see this going? Uh, that's a good question. I want it, to, uh, I want it to, to grow to a point where it's on the level, uh, eventually on the level of a, um, you know, of a stranger or Seattle Weekly um, are, and eventually even the Seattle Times in that we've been able to sort of uh, find our way as truly a multimedia um, organization where, um, you know, there's a little bit of uh, democracy now and, and the Young Turks, which is a uh, YouTube political show. Um, yeah. um, in there, there's, uh, there's still the uh, written component, obviously, um, and potentially even a uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, some sort of radio component. Um, so you see this becoming like a multi-platform thing? Right, Possibly. right. I would, I, you know, I'd love to be, uh, maybe not not have his ideology, but <laughs> love to eventually be, you know, like a, a Rupert Murdoch-esque uh, uh, type outfit where um, you have a, a large reach. Um, Shoot, I shouldn't have said Rupert Murdoch. That 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 conjures up bad images even to me. But um, but uh, but but uh, maybe well, I'll say more. Yeah, right, right, right. I'll say more of the Guardian, I guess, at okay. this point. But yeah. yeah, yeah. But you want to branch out. You yes. want to take it beyond Seattle. Yeah, I would. I would. Well, I mean, I think I would love to to provide a um, provide an example for other uh, organizations that would like to be hyper local. I'm uh, sort of in talks with the with the group now about. Um, um, they, there's a, it's called the New Associated Press, and um, they have, you know, smaller news or uh, outfits in, um, you know, Philadelphia with the People's Tribune, um, the Mockingbird Times, which I believe is in uh, Crenshaw, California, um, and, uh, and some other, you know, hyper-local organizations of, you know, what if we, you know, all got together, we, we sort of, you know, shared best practices uh, when there are things that are, and granted, it's hyper-local, so not everything will necessarily be appropriate to share in terms of stories and content, but when there is something um, that maybe has national resonance. Um, that you could report from this, this, this. Thing. Right. We can, and you know, we can connect from that city. Exactly. We can share. Uh, the, the thing to me is not to uh, expand, you know, globally, worldwide. I think that's because I, th I, I think you start to become, try, you start to attempt to become everything to everyone. Defeats the purpose of what you really exactly. tried to start out. Exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. 
but put the focus yet on Seattle and, right. and then try to take it that, that little bit farther and, and up the ladder there. Exactly. Do you see us? Do you see yourself as a trailblazer with this work? Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I, uh, uh, I, I think that sort of um, insinuates that you like you know no one else saw this coming and you you know you're the pi you know you're the pioneer here. The thing is that uh. You know, when I, when I first started at the Emerald, I cold called, uh, I, I cold, you know, there, I sent out these, did these cold calls to so many people, um, you know, who are now on the Emerald's media advisory board. You know, there's Sonia Green at um, KBCS, um, 91.3. There was um, Sarah Studeville at the Seattle Globalist. There was um, Litter in Chief over at the Seattle Weekly. There was, uh, um, you know, uh, Susan Gleason, who's at Yes Magazine, and I just, you know, I said, look, I'm starting this. I want to, um, you know, I want to know as much uh, as I can about news organizations. I want to know, you know, since I didn't have any formal training, I want to know everything that you know. Uh, are you willing to, you know, sit down with me and have some, you know, coffee, and I just can pick your brain. And um, so... I guess I would say I don't think that I'm necessarily a trailblazer, but I think that I'm. Um, I think we're, you know, trying to do something um, in our area that, uh, you know, uh, that you know is that that's done maybe on a on, on a on a larger scale, and we're trying to like sort of scale it down. And I know that flies in the face of convention um, when you know everything is about scaling up, but I think it's it's important to hone in on, on an area and, and hone in on, um, on uh, the people that live there and, and your community. Marcus Green, the founder and executive director of the South Seattle Emerald. By the way, Marcus was the recipient of Crosscut's 2015 Courage Award for creating the South Seattle Emerald. He will also be featured as a panelist on race, justice, and democracy. Where do we stand? a co-production of KCTS 9 and the Seattle Channel in partnership with the Seattle City Club and Town Hall. It's scheduled for broadcast on KCTS 9, April 5th at 7 p.m. It will also be available online at kcts9.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of Conversations. I'm Enrique Serna. We'll talk more next time.